So this morning I shared there was a, uh, a card sent to us uh, celebrating Resurrection Sunday, and it is from uh, the Cass family. So if you weren't here, uh, they sent a nice card, and their personalized message says, Dear John, Jen, and the girlies, and those at CCD, the girlies, my daughters, uh, our daughters, and uh, they said, Down East, uh, sorry, start over. Dearest church family, we all wanted to send our love and express how much you are missed. Hope your Resurrection Sunday is refreshing and filled with God's love and presence. Love the Cass family. This came in, I got it in the mail, out of our mail on Wednesday. So I don't know exactly when it got there, but we uh, we have read it, and we know that they have reached out to us. And I shared this morning that they served so faithfully here for over 20 years. And uh, the the we're we're uh, a church body here that the Lord built through the, their obedience. <clears throat> and they came down here when there were Bible studies of like them and like Mark and Cheryl Hughes, and then and. Uh, uh, <clears throat> Jason and Beth Kane, you know, so you're talking about a very, very small group of people that would get together and they would meet in someone's house and everything. And then they started uh, just growing and slowly growing from there. And it's amazing to see what God has done in this little church. Um, uh, just a, a quick little history lesson. Uh, that whole front uh, front uh, hallway used to not even belong to the church. We used to not even rent that out. It used to just be this and the back entryway, and that was our church. And we had that wall right there was way up here, and uh, that wall actually had the the two way mirror. So I was a nursing nursing mother's room, and then uh, nursing mother nursing mother's room, uh, and then uh, beyond that was a um, children's ministry, and then we had an office there, and we had some bathrooms, and the bathrooms have all been way upgraded. <laughs> and uh, I mean, this was an art gallery. They didn't need anything too special or anything like that. But, you know, it's one of those where you shut the door and the, the, the door goes, you know, you can see somebody's feet down, their knees down type thing. And uh, they, I might have not have been that, that extreme, but, uh, you know, Will saw that. I was like, no, it's got to change. So um, <clears throat> over time, we have uh, moved walls and this thing. Then we took over the bottom section. And then we grew so much that we took over upstairs, the front end of upstairs, and uh, this was a school. This church used to have a school in it, a free Christian school. So when people hear free Christian education, uh, they there it came uh, as a uh, as a deal. If uh, you're going to come and your children are going to attend here, you and your family need to attend here and serve here, uh, just because the people that are serving here and working and teaching your children are not getting paid. So they, you need to be here to serve so that they can sit in on service and stuff like that. So, uh, and it was quite a few years that we had a, a school here and then, uh, just, it just got too difficult for so few people that were willing to do, uh, you know, most of the work, all the work. And, uh, they ended up shutting the school down. So, um, so this church that that uh, that started 20 years ago, over 20 years ago, uh, from the Cass family, has has grown, and we've seen it grow, and we've seen it shrink, and then we've seen it grow, and you know uh, all those things, and and the Lord has provided, and um, so we're we're very blessed to be where we are, uh, and it's the a great deal, a great reason that we're here is because 
they obediently followed the call of the Lord down here from Calvary, Orrington. And they were driving from, I think, Etna all the way down here. So it was quite a drive, you know, and they um, uh, they were down here. So when they were, when they share a note like that, it just means that, you know, even though they're down in Kentucky, they haven't forgotten about us and uh, that they're, they're doing, the Lord's doing a new thing down there and that's where their focus should be. They shouldn't feel like, oh, I got to, you know, you know, keep all the hens. Uh, I, mean, I got a hen. I got to keep all the chickens here. You know, that, that responsibility has been passed on and, and, uh, we uh, have a different, little bit of a different face here, but the same Lord that's doing a great work. It, it's just continuing uh, here, so it's uh, it's a blessing to hear from them uh, in the midst of what they're doing. And uh, uh, I feel bad because I didn't send them a card. I, I never send cards, uh, so usually I'll text somebody or call them. So I'm sorry, uh, I'm awful at that. So uh, Psalm 44. The uh, I don't know if your Bible has this, but uh, a good way to understand what's happening in Psalm 44 is redemption remembered in present dishonor. Uh, so as we're reading here and we see that there's great victory being sang of and, and everything, and then it's like in verse 9, everything changes, and where are you? And those things, and that's the, the setting, redemption remembered in, uh, in present dishonor. So uh, there are uh, things that Israel was going through, and they're they're crying out to the Lord. So, uh, Psalm forty-four, verse one. This is a contemplation of the sons of Korah <clears throat> to the chief musician, and uh, verse one says, "We have heard with our ears, O God. Uh, our fathers have told us the deeds you did in their days and days of old. You drove out the nations with your hand, but." Uh, them you planted, you afflicted the peoples, and cast them out, for they did not gain possession of the land by their own sword, nor did they uh, their own arm save them, but it was your right hand, your arm, and the light of your countenance, because you favored them. So uh, that's quite a statement to start with, as they're they're uh, you know, writing this song, a psalm. Uh, same thing, uh, but they're they're writing of what they've heard. You know, they've heard that God had done amazing things, and that it wasn't the the important thing. That as the stories have been told, they understood that it wasn't their power or the sword or their arm that uh, that God saved them, but it was His strength um, and the light of His countenance. It says, you know, God's. Power and presence drove Israel's enemies out before them. Uh, it wasn't their military might. We saw David get sternly corrected because he counted people. Because in that counting, you're counting going, how many people do we have? Are we strong enough? <laughs> the Lord's like, look at your history lessons, David. You know, go back and grab the history book from third grade or whatever and look look at what, we, what you need to remember of how God worked uh, in in favor of the children of Israel. And, uh, you know, there's, there's, uh, remember when there were too many people uh, for Gideon and the Lord stripped him down to all the way down to 300 people. You know, he went through all of that process of how are they drinking water? If what ones are drinking and they're looking and they're aware, those are the ones you're going to take. You know, uh, those, those types of, of things that had happened, you know, it was, you know, when, when, 
we understand that the Lord does things so that flesh would not glory in his presence. God wants the glory for the work he does. So these, uh, these Israelites are writing what they have heard, and that was the glory of the Lord is, is the one that fought on their behalf and, and what he had done for them, that he would be glorified and not man. And it speaks of his favor. And when uh, we consider uh, you know, God's favor, um, hopefully that will trigger in your mind the word grace, right? God's unmerited, unearned favor. Because we don't gain favor from God because of how great we are, you know. Um, ever heard Will doing uh, a parody to I Exalt Thee? Never heard that? He sings, I exalt me. <laughs> right, that, that, that mindset that we would exalt ourselves, right? Or, and then, you know, we could sing a song like, How Great Thou Art, uh, singing to us, right? Because if that's the case, if our victory comes from what we have done, then our hearts are going to depart from the Lord. And we're going to say, why do we even need him? We don't need him because we can fight these battles and win them on my own. And I can do, sound familiar? Maybe we said this before we came to the Lord, you know, or some conversations we've had with people. I don't really need the Lord. Things are okay in my life. I remember being in Italy, and uh, I think I've probably shared this before. So if I'm a broken record, you guys know how it happens with me. But Jen and I were, uh, we had went and visited somewhere in Italy and we were driving back to uh, uh, where we lived uh, in north, uh, the northeast uh, corner of Italy in a town called Aviano. And Edna's, Edna was stationed there also. And we're coming in. When, when crashes happened in Israel, in Israel, in Italy, they were typically bad crashes because uh, there's no speed limit, right? There's a suggested speed, right? You were just in Europe, right? There's a suggestion but I remember driving, and I would be driving. We had a little Honda Civic that Jen had bought when she was 18, and we shipped it over there. She had it shipped there, and when we finally got it, we were all excited because now we could go explore Italy, and, and uh, we'd be on the interstate. And I think, you know, at 85 miles an hour, we're cranking. Until I, I remember one day I passed somebody, and I was about to move over, and I looked in my rear view, and I saw flashing lights. And it was somebody flashing. It wasn't like a cop or anything, Polizia or the Carbonieri. Um, it was it was a driver driving, flashing their lights. And for us, that means, hey, go ahead. You're, you know, I'll, I'll let you. If that's not what it means over there. When they flash their lights, get out of the way. I'm doing 140 miles an hour. No kidding. I'm doing 85 miles an hour. And I thought that was fast. You know, I was like, ooh, we're doing 85. No one's going to pull us over. I was all excited. And then when they went by us, our whole car shook. And I'm like, whoa! You know, I had never experienced that before. But I saw the lights flash, and I moved out of the way, and I kind of like, what is that? And they're gone. And and I realized, wow, you know, we are, uh, you know, we're we're in a spot right now that I I'm not prepared for. I was what 19 years old. Uh, we got married at 20, so I was 19 or 20. I was I was 20. She was 19, and um. Uh, we uh, it figured out really quick we weren't in Kansas anymore, you know, and uh, and the driving was was quite crazy, and it wasn't uh, uncommon to hear of fatalities. There were a ton of fatalities over there while we were there. In one week, we lost five or seven uh, American military members uh, or their family members uh, in one week, uh, just due to two or three different crashes. It was crazy, but. Uh, 
remember we were on the uh, the autostrada. Is that what it's called? Yeah, the autostrada. And uh, in Italy they call it the autostrada. In uh, Germany it's autobahn and autobahn, whatever, however you pronounce it. But uh, big crash. We see the car flipped over and everything, and there are these kids sitting there. And one of them's all bloody in her head and everything. And I get out of the car and I'm trying to figure out, like, what can we do to help? And I go over, are you guys okay and everything? Can I pray for you? No, you don't need to pray. We're all set. And I'm like, you guys just flipped your vehicle and you're bleeding, you know? It's going to be okay. to, but, but for them, with probably a very strong Roman Catholic uh, influence on them, they're like, no, our, like, we're good, man. I got baptized as a baby and prayer's not something we really are, are into. Like, we're okay. You know, and everything. It was it was different, you know, and uh, they, they didn't realize that their lives were just spared. You know, and we can get to that point like, no, I'm good. Don't really need the Lord. I don't really. Right. We can do that. We can do that in our lives. We can do it every day for a long time. I don't need the Lord. I know I've heard of. Think of our nation here. You know, think of 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 a, a a bunch of rebels. That's how this country started was people rebelling, right? So that's why we got we have such a rebellious. You're not going to take me. Don't tread on me. You know, you know, we have that that mindset because that's where we came from. We had to fight for the freedom we had. But the 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 forefathers, the founding fathers here, understood where that victory came from, right? And it's it's a tragedy when. We don't remember where the victory comes from, you know, as a nation, as people uh, that when we when we don't know where that came from. So it's it's so important for us to look at history, look at church history, look at, at, at biblical history and understand where the victory lied for Israel. That victory was in the Lord as they're walking with the Lord and they're they're in his favor, in his and uh, I guess uh, following him and, and their eyes are set on, on obedience to him. He was giving them victory when they turn away. What happened? They'd get defeated. They'd get their butts spanked. Right. And then they'd, they'd turn back to the Lord in correction and they would uh, they would uh, just be back on track with the Lord. That's that, you know, essentially that was their history. You know, they walk with him and they're walking in victory. They turn from him and then they're, they're experiencing defeat and they're going through all these things. They'd even get to the point that their 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 hope was only, you know, we only, we could only do these things if we have this with us. We can only, and and they were they were forgetting the fact that God was their strength. We can get to those points. It's very easy to become superstitious, right? Have you guys ever noticed that? You got to tap your you know, uh, you tap this twice and do this twice and, you know, turn your lights on and off before you drive or otherwise you're going to crash or you, you, you guys know what I mean. I, I, you may not be a superstitious person. I hope you're not um, because then we're actually putting our trust in whatever's happening. You know, when we say so, hey, everything's been going great. I better knock on wood. You don't need to knock on wood, right? Because the Lord is with us. If we if we believe that because we like, well, what does that do? Any, I don't know where it came from, but that is not going to do me any good. This is an inanimate object. It was put together by man, and and it was a tree that was knocked down and cut and then you know, planed and sanded, uh, sanded and polyurethaned and screwed uh, uh, and screwed together, uh, and all these things. This this thing was put together. I don't understand why knocking on that is going to keep something from happening or give me the good luck. But we can get to the point of foolishness where we don't remember 
you know, where the victory comes from. What they're saying here is that they had heard that they that the word had been passed along and they understood where uh, where their victories came from. They said that our fathers had told us and and the stories of the Old Testament had been passed along as God had commanded. It was the parents' responsibility to teach their children. And that's still the same now. You know, it's not the, the church's responsibility for somebody to zip up here, kick their kids out of the car, and drive away. Because their kids, yes, are going to learn some things, and no doubt the Lord can work through that. But if the kids aren't see, witnessing the parents, you know, hearing that and seeing the same things, eventually they're going to say, wait a minute. You know, it happens all too often. Not that there aren't the cases that sometimes, uh, you know, come into play where uh, there's, uh, you know, the, the rarity where somebody just decides to follow God, even though their parents don't, you know, because most rebellious children's hearts are going to say, huh, my parents aren't going to make me go to church. I'm not going to church. Right. Israel uh, was doing the right thing and, and passing along the stories. Now, uh, some verses that we can, uh, we can look at here in just a moment uh, are going to uh, tell us how the Lord said that this stuff should continue. So godly uh, stories, godly um, teaching, the, the word of God itself should be taught by parents and reinforced by the church. That when someone comes here and 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 it's going to work together. There's going to be okay. You learn this in 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 Sunday school. Great. Now that you've learned this, let's talk about it at home. And you know those things. That that was that was uh, the way things should have happened. And we'll look at uh, how the Lord said that that they were called to carry these things along uh, as as a nation. Proverbs twenty two verse six says. Train up in a, ch a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That training, uh, that that uh, there's uh, what we understand in today's world. What what our role here in the church is is to reinforce what the parent is doing. That's why when uh, a child is born and we bring the baby up, we don't do baby baptisms. Uh, because that baby has not come to a point to understand that they're a sinner and they need to be saved. And once they're they've asked the Lord to be their Savior and and they want to be made a new creation in Christ. When anybody gets to that point where they can intellectually understand those things and they've made the decision to follow Christ, I think Maddie was what four years old, and uh, there was no pressure from us. We weren't like, so you're gonna accept the Lord today. You're gonna accept. It wasn't like we were chasing her around. She wanted to know. She and and we talked to her and she's like, yeah. And I remember, I'll, I'll try to do this without welling up here because it's such a sweet little memory. We were uh, praying with, with Maddie, and um, she's laying in her little Dora the Explorer bed or whatever it was, right? And uh, she's laying there, and we're talking to her, and, and, and she wanted to pray the sinner's prayer. And, she's, and, and, and I'm saying, okay. And, and we, would, we explained to her, do you understand what this means? Slowing it way down and bringing it to a four-year-old's four level. And she understood. She understood that she had done things wrong and that that was right. Uh, that was wrong in the sight of God. And she needed to be made right in the sight of God. And and she prayed a little prayer. And then we said that, well, now Jesus lives in you. And she's like looking down and, and she's like, all right, Jesus, it's time to go to bed now. <laughs> you know, right? Something along those lines, right? Yeah. See, because now I'm like, now Jesus lives in you. He lives in your heart. And she's like, it's, it's bedtime. You know, it was it was such a cute thing. You know, we can complicate things as, as grown-ups, can't we? 
But that faith of a child, how many times did the Lord uh, commend the faith of a child and recommend and tell us, hey, look at a child. You know, we can often look at a child, go, oh, they don't understand. No, they do get it. We're the ones that, that, that say, no, 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 we're too bad for God. They're, you know, God doesn't want me. You know, and we realize, yes, we are too bad, but God still wants us. That's his grace. That's his mercy. So training a child up in the way they should go, it's a process. Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 9 says, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. So you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets be between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So in Deuteronomy, uh, as the Lord is explaining uh, how Israel should proceed, you shall teach them diligently to your children. That diligently, you know, when we have children in our families, uh, grandchildren, nephews, nieces, whoever it is, that we would take our time when we have that time, whether you're a parent, whether you're whatever, to pour the Lord into them. And just because anybody can go and be the fun, uh, you know, aunt, uncle and those things. But maybe they should see something very different in our lives, right? Um, maybe it's the language that's different. <laughs> Wait a minute. I hear everybody else talking like pirates here. Why are, why, you know, what are, what are you guys doing? How come you don't talk like this? How come you're at church? Then we can share with them. Oh, well, God's changed us and he's calling, calls us to be different, you know, different and, and uh, that, we, that even our talk should be different and those things. Be able to share those things. I like here it says, uh, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. That the Bible and biblical principles would be taught just as we're going. It doesn't necessarily even have to be a Bible study in the house. Right? Sit down and we're going to open up Leviticus 22 or, or whatever. We can do that. It can be normal conversation as we're walking by the way. you be like, hey, isn't this cool? Look what God did here. You know, you see, you see the, um, uh, the, the cardinal and you see, or you see the blue jay and, and just talking about, you know, how radiant the colors are and, you know, how great our God. And you can just point your creation and just point out what God has done. And that's instilling that faith in them. You know, it's so important. I like here, it says when you lie down and when you rise up, when you, when you're ending your day, when you're starting your day, that you'd start it in the word. I like on the doorposts of your houses and on your gates, you know, you can put a sign out in front of your house. You can just, uh, Jen's got them on our walls in the house. When somebody comes into our house, they understand that we uh, are Christians. We have scriptures on the wall. We might look crazy because we do. I don't know, but they're not coming down, you know, and, and those are reminders. And they're reminders to us that as we're sitting there and look up, honestly, I forget they're there most of the time. But when I do remember they're there, I look up and go, ah, that's cool. You know, the plans that the Lord has for me, that he has, uh, you know, a future and a hope for us is uh, right over our, our, uh, our living room, little entertainment center there. You know, that, that we, that there's that reminder of what God is doing. You know, and my kids, I'm sure they look at that and go, okay, cool. Yeah. You know, those, those reminders that we can even just post around our house. 
Ephesians 6 verse 4 says, And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Not provoke them to wrath. You know, not be too too stern and harsh with them. Like, oh, you sinned. You know, you're uh, condemned to die now. And, you know, all those things. Not to, not to poke and just, ah, 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 ah. just train them up. With the same grace that we receive from the Lord, we're supposed to pass that on to the next generation. That we wouldn't be too harsh on somebody. Because how I don't know about you guys, the more harsh someone has been, it usually drives somebody away versus you know, forced compliance isn't necessarily going to make you fall in love with somebody, right? So it's that, yes, forced compliance of, yes, you're going to church. I don't care if you're tired because you stayed up too late. Get your butt up. We're going to church, right? You know, those types of things uh, that we would be training them up. Deuteronomy uh, verse, uh, chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life, and teach them to your children and your grandchildren, especially concerning the day you stood before the Lord your God in Horeb. When the Lord said to me, gather the people to me, and I will let them hear my words, that they may learn and fear me all the days they live on the earth, and that they may teach their children. You see the theme here? That the parents learn, that the older, that the older generation learns, and passes it on to the next generation. We got kids running around all around this church. You know, who do they, who, who's are they, the, uh, who would be overseeing them? All of us, right? We're supporting the family because when they bring that baby up, we're not, we're not dedicating the baby to the church. We're dedicating ourselves to that family uh, and to that baby that as they grow up in this church, we're helping them along. You see that kid running around, you know, pushing things and you can look at them and go, you shouldn't be doing that right now. You need to go to your mom and dad and tell them what you were just doing. Just some of those simple things in love, you know, or, or go tell the parents, hey, I've, I've asked your kid to, you know, to stop doing that. Any parent that is concerned with the correction of their child, if, as long as it's done in a good way, um, uh, that should be, hey, you know what? I appreciate you telling me that because I don't want my kids misbehaving. I've talked to you guys before. My kids learned really fast about shopping. You misbehave when you're shopping. We're going out to the car. You're getting your butt beat, and you're going to sit there. And you're going to sit there in your car seat, and you're going to wait. And we're going to wait, and it's going to be really boring. But we're just going to sit there and wait because you misbehaved. It didn't take long for them to get it. You know, you, you get on the ground and do the little spinny thing, crying and getting all dirt covered and, you know, doing all that. Out to the car. Let's go. And, and they got it. And they, my kids knew when they came here, this isn't like, hey, great, good job, us. It's a part of this whole church. You see what I mean? The, our whole church and, and making sure uh, that our kids are you know, watching after them and, 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 and just saying, hey, I noticed the kids are doing this. Oh, cool, thank you. I, I, I lost track of this one or whatever. You know, those things, it's, it's our responsibility uh, as a body uh, to look after them. If we don't teach our children to follow Christ, the world will tell them not to. That, that's a, a powerful a lesson I wanted to share that I saw that uh, in here. If we don't teach our children to follow Christ, the world will tell them not to. We've got, you know, while we have them here, the importance for us is to teach them to follow Christ. You know, this is the problem with America today. 
we as a nation have willfully are, are willfully biblically illiterate. We are biblically illiterate. It's amazing. Uh, I can just say we're illiterate on a whole lot of things. Have you guys ever watched a video? You've seen like a YouTube thing and they're asking like, um, you know, what uh, they'll, they'll ask something like, um, what state is, is uh, Argentina in? And, and the people, the kids, the, like they have no idea. These are college kids and they have no idea that Argentina is its own country. And they're like, isn't that New Hampshire? You know, I've seen some of those and I'm like, these are the easiest questions. And it's just the, this nation has become so lazy to so many things, especially to spiritual things, especially to the word. We become biblically illiterate and ignorant of the scriptures, you know, because of our own laziness and selfishness and sinfulness and the de depravity grows as time progresses and as generations pass it gets worse and worse doesn't it right how many people remember uh praying in school right okay remember praying in school how about reading the bible in school right the bible was a textbook not anymore Bible's not even allowed in school, right? Teachers having their Bibles out on their desks are getting corrected, losing their jobs. Remember the football uh, uh, coach years a uh, couple of years ago lost his job, just won the lawsuit. If it's the same guy, I was so excited to hear it. Just won the lawsuit because the students wanted him to lead them in prayer on the field. You know, look how far we've fallen. You know, that we had the victory because of God. And now we had the victory, and this thing's going right. Hey, we're good. We don't need God anymore. Just put it on cruise control. And, yep, when you put it on cruise control and let go of the wheel, you steal right, steer right into the bridge embankment is what ends up happening, right? Take your hands off the wheel. That you know, Eventually, the road's going to, you, you know, you're not going to be able to navigate the road without having your hands on the wheel. And where does it go? Right off. Careens right off a cliff. And, uh, and that's where we are spiritually as a nation. Just so spiritually lost, biblically inept, totally illiterate. You know, the, the basics of, of, of what the Bible says are not known. <clears throat> Scary place. Verse 4. <laughs> We've gotten through three verses. Uh, verse 4. You are my king, O God. Command victories for Jacob. Through you, we will push down our enemies. Through your name, we will trample those who rise up against us. For I will not trust in my bow, nor shall my sword save me. But you have saved us from our enemies and have put to shame those who hated us. And God, we boast all day long and praise your name forever. Selah. Some familiar scriptures that you're, you know, I've, I've probably shared these with you uh, several times. But when I read that, some verses came to mind where they're talking, right? What the, the, the sons of Korah are saying here is that through you, we push down our enemies, right? Through your name, we trample those who, who rise up against us. It's through the Lord. And uh, it says, I will not trust in my bow, nor shall my sword save me. Where I, I would say, it's because I'm a great archer. And it's because of our military might that we, that we have strength. Does that sound familiar to us? Yeah, it really does. You know, I, I, I served 24 years in our military. And um, 
I saw a great strength at times, and I saw a great weakness at times. When a country has turned its back on the Lord and said, we've got it because we do this, we do that. Look how look at the judgment this country has experienced at times. Look at the sorrow we've experienced as a nation. Turn on your news just this week, this past week, and you're seeing chaos everywhere. Murder. Be just right, you know, people just losing their minds because they have no hope. They have nothing to hold to hold on to. Oh, this life means nothing. So it doesn't matter if I go do this. And I take people out as I want to take myself out. It's very sad. Very, very bad place to be. But understanding who our strength is and where our victory comes from, if we know that, then we're wouldn't wouldn't we stay close to that? Like, you know, it reminds me, what's the cartoon there? Um, it's got the big dog. You know it. Uh, it's got the big dog and a little dog, right? Spike, right? Yeah. And the little one's always all big and proud because big, big Spike's there with him, right? Doesn't have to, gonna protect him and walk with him and don't have to worry about anybody because Spike is right there. Probably talking about the wrong cartoon. Just go with it, all right? And uh, because you're big and bold and you're strong, but, you, you know, if that is removed, well, now you're in big trouble, right? When we've made flesh our strength, right? These are going to sound familiar to us. Jeremiah 17, 5. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who, may, who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord, right? If we're trusting in anybody but the Lord. Guys, that, can, that trust can be put into a lot of things. It can be put into our own abilities, our own. Uh, we can we, you can have weapons in your home. I highly recommend that we do. You know, in this crazy world, defend yourself. But if that's our strength, maybe we're not going to be fast enough. Maybe we're not going to wake up. When, you know, there's all these scenarios there. But I got this, and that's you know, yes, we should have that, and we should be prepared to use it if we need to, right? But if that's our strength. And we say, I don't need God. I have this. That's an awful spot. That's the worst spot for us to be in. That's the worst spot. Cursed is a man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. Zechariah 4.6. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might nor by power, but my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. How are we going to have victory? Not by might, not by strength, but by God's spirit. That's how we have. Uh, that was the the um, the Bible verse of our church, Calvary Chapel, Spokane Valley in Washington. That's what we had like on T-shirts and stuff. That's a familiar one to me. Psalm 20, verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. You see the theme, right? Not trusting in these things. Because how many times did God wipe out mighty nations, as they were saying, in front of them, because they trusted in the Lord, God went and, and, and just delivered their enemies, pushed them right out of the way, uh, because of what God does. Spurgeon has a, a, there's a great quote here that I want to share with you. That uh, and when I read it, I was like, that's genius, i got to put that in here. Spurgeon had a lot of good things to say. Uh, Prince of Preachers, they call him that for a reason, right? He says this, 
O churches, exclamation point, take heed lest ye trust in yourselves. Take heed lest ye say, we are a respectable body. We are a mighty number. We are a potent people. Take heed lest ye begin to glory in your own strength. For when that is done, Ichabod shall be written on your walls, and your glory shall be uh, shall depart from you. Remember that he who was with us when we were but few must be with us now. We now that we are many, or else we must fail. And he who strengthened us when we were but little, as little in Israel, must be with us now that we are like the thousands of Manasseh, or else. It is all over with us, and our day is past. That when you're little in our own eyes, right? Instead, we get big, right? There's a reminder from him, from from Spurgeon, that the church that when not the scripture tells us not to despise those those days of small things, right? You probably read that. Not despising the days of small things. We have a small gathering. Don't despise that if in three years. This place might be packed on a Sunday night. We can't look back and go, Psh, remember this? No, that's where the Lord was building. That's where he started his work, right? And just because there are great numbers somewhere does not mean that that is a, a strong church. You know, that can be a very diluted church. You know, a lot, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, a lot of weight there, but what's the effective weight, right? What's the, the gross weight? Not just, sorry, the gross and the net. You know, the gross weight can be this, but what's the net weight of that, that the spiritual strength? Just the reminders. Now, what we read now, uh, we've read the first eight verses where they're talking about we know where our strength came from. Now, remember, uh, this uh, a title heading for this could be Redemption Remembered in Present Dishonor. Present Dishonor. Remember that. Verse 9, but you have cast us off and put us to shame, and you do not go out with our armies. You make us turn back from the enemy, and those who hate us have taken spoil for themselves. You have given us up like sheep intended for food. You have scattered us among the nations. You sell your people for next to nothing and are not enriched by selling them. You make us a reproach to our neighbors, a scorn and a derision to those all around us. You make us a byword among the nations, a shaking of the head among the peoples. My dishonor is continually before me, and the shame of my face has covered me. Because of the voice of him who reproaches and reviles, because of the enemy and the avenger, all this has come upon us. But we have not forgotten you, nor have we dealt falsely with your covenant. Our heart has not turned back, nor have our steps departed from your way. But you have severely broken us in the place of jackals and covered us with the shadow of death. If we had forgotten the name of our God or stretched out our hands to a foreign God, would not God search this out? 
for he knows the secrets of the heart. Yet for our sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Awake, why do you sleep, O Lord? Arise, do not cast us off forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our affliction and our oppression? For our soul is bowed down to the dust. Our body clings to the ground. Arise for our help and redeem us for your mercy's sake. Much different than the first eight verses, right? And as you're reading here, you see a change of themes. And they're saying well, that, that you've cast us off, it off and put us to shame. You do not go out with our armies. The Lord does not forsake. You know, it's funny because I, I wrote these notes um, more than a week ago, I think. And I kind of forgot where my mind was when I wrote these. And I was talking to Corey and I'm like, why did I write this? And um, because I had to get my mindset. Um, I, I uh, had had a little bit of a weird week this week and I kind of, um, was trying to get back into the mindset, like how would I, why would I, why would I have written this note? And you know, as we're reading here, they're talking about being scattered and that the Lord would sell the people for next to nothing and not be enriched for selling them. Does that sound like our God at all? It doesn't, right? God's character doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I think we talked about that this morning. It's not like God said, Duh, you know, I know you're seeking my face and everything, but I just feel like like being mean and uh, just letting you guys go through all of these things, right? Re remember uh, the, the context of, of what we're reading here. There's a present dishonor happening. And uh, what they're saying is that they are experiencing things that they, they, they had heard of the, 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 um, the victories that their fathers had as they were walking with the Lord. And they're saying all these things here. And uh, they're, they're, they're calling out and they're saying that God had forgotten them, that God is even sleeping. It says, awake, why do you sleep, O Lord? Arise. And there's that mindset that they had been forsaken completely by God. If we'd been forsaken completely by God, our lives are, are, are then over. You know, if we'd pushed a God, God that far away, that the Lord turns and says, okay, now you can experience the heartbreak, the sorrow, the defeats in your life uh, that you wanted. You know, you pushed him back so far, right? How many times have we done that in our lives? <laughs> Thankfully, uh, his graciousness and his faithfulness is he's showing, he'll, he'll let us get to a point where, just like this, where we'll say, where are you? What's going on and all these things? But just understand, the Lord has not turned, he's not going to turn his face away from those who are seeking it, right? That's totally opposite of what the scripture says. So that leads me to why I would have written this. And it says, just because man believes something doesn't mean it's accurate. Just because we believe because of our circumstances that God has turned his face from us, that doesn't mean that it's accurate. We can go through what verse 9 and verse the, all the way through 26 says uh, and, and go there and, and question whether God is faithful to his word or not. If somebody just reads that, they say, oh, well, these guys were saying that their hearts were fully set on God. And if we, you know, they, say, they even say in verse 17, all this has come upon us, but we have not forsaken you, nor have we dealt falsely with your covenant. The Lord doesn't just say, I'm going to, you know, you're going to be forsaken. We will go through trials. Don't get me wrong. We are going to go through trials. And that's when our faith is going to grow, right? That's what the, the scriptures tell us. 
that as we go through these things, like it says in Saul in uh, James one, you know, don't consider it uh, to to be. Oh, no, that's Peter talking uh, later. Um, uh, but you know, consider it pure joy when you go through these trials. Why? Because those trials mold us and they they build us up to who we are. You know, God doesn't forsake those who seek His face. I have one more a set of scripture to share with you: Second Chronicles sixteen verses seven through ten. And at that time, Hanani, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you have relied on the king of Syria and have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Syria has escaped from your hand. Were the Ethiopians and the Lubim not a huge army with very large chariots and horsemen, yet because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord run, do you guys know this verse? For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. In this you have done foolishly. Therefore, from now on, you shall have wars. Then Asa was angry with the seer and put him in prison, for he was enraged at him because of this. And Asa oppressed some of the people at this time. You see that? You see what had happened? What's being said here? Because you relied on the king of Syria, and you have not relied on the Lord your God. If the sons of Korah are writing this, it's because of man's unfaithfulness. Anytime we're wagging our, waving our, wagging? Whatever whatever this is called, wagging, yes, waving our finger. We'll say waving our finger because I feel like I'm saying the wrong word. Anytime we're pointing our finger at God, it's never like God going, oh, yeah, I totally forgot about you, right? Is it? It's never like that. There's always something that we have done that the Lord says, hey, you may be here, but there, there are, our deeds need to be taken care of. You know, when, when we see um, that... that uh, when the Lord uh, chastens those whom he loves, right? When, you know, if, if we understand that, you know, there are, there are times where, yes, you know, God's going to restore us, but sometimes we still have a consequence to face because of what we've done, right? So, you know, these guys calling out saying God's sleeping and they haven't done anything wrong, uh, I would say is not an honest assessment of who they are. You know, maybe as a nation, they haven't turned their back completely from the Lord. But what they're saying here is that God is sleeping. Awake, why do you sleep? Arise, do not cast us off forever. You know, why do you hide your face and forget our affliction and our oppression? In our time, we can we can act as though God has forgotten us, right? Can't we? And say, oh, God, God's not taking care of this. I cried out. I prayed 10 seconds ago. Why hasn't it gone away, Right. Sometimes we just have to understand that God is at work and he's going to uh, minister to us through uh, whatever we're going through. But uh, any time we have any accusation against God, God's going to have a conversation with us and we're going to find out he's not the one that was unfaithful. Remember Job, right? You guys remember Job? Job's life was pretty tragic, right? You know, and one day... Um, so there's the conversation and, and Mark, I think we've talked about this before too. Um, you know, we, uh, we've just talking about something and Job came up and we were talking about what Job, um, went through in his life. And, uh, there's a, uh, a conversation between the devil and God and the devil is going and accusing God. 
But, uh, you know, he's saying, oh, yeah, you, you got Job there. And I'm kind of fast forwarding a little bit through it. Um, but he's he's uh, he comes to God and he's talking about, uh, you know, well, hey, you don't have anybody that's out here and uh, that's serving you. And, and God says, have you considered my servant Job? And uh, Job accuses God of, well, yeah, he's only good because, you know, you're, you're protecting him. You know, let me strike his, you know, his possessions and everything. And, and, and you'll, we'll see what happens there. And I'm paraphrasing him some things. You're familiar with the story, right? <clears throat> and the Lord says, yes, but you can't, you have to spare him, his life. And in one day, Job loses everything. He loses all of his livestock. Uh, they all die. And as the report comes that, that he's lost everything, another report comes that where his children were uh, collapsed and all his children had died. That's a bad day. You know, and what was Job's response? The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I know we mentioned this. We talked about it recently. Forgive the repetition, but it applies. Then there's a conversation again between Satan and God. And uh, he still, Job is still, uh, still, he had said, blessed be the name of the Lord, right? And uh, so the conversation continues and Satan says, well, yeah, well, uh, you know, skin for skin. Let me afflict his body. And Satan says, go ahead, but you, you have to spare his life. So then Job is struck with boils from the bottom of his feet to the top of his head. And he had a pot shard, right? And he would scrape the boils to give him any type of relief. And as he's in this pain and anguish and suffering, there's already enough suffering. He just lost everything he had and lost his children. Now his life, he's covered in boil. Ever had um, uh, chicken pox? Like the worst case, you ever had those? I remember having it, and I didn't even have it that bad, but I remember I couldn't imagine it being so much worse than that, that I'm scraping, bo and I don't mean to be gross or anything, but that's what the scripture says, scraping the boils off. And uh, and Satan said that he would curse God. He'll, he'll, he'll curse you. Just let me strike his body and he'll curse you. And he is in this state of just complete agony. And what does his wife say? You know, how long are you going to go through this? Just curse God and die. Just curse God and die. I've heard that being shared as, uh, you know, a kind of a, a negative uh, reinforcement there, you know, like the guy needed any more negative things going on. Why don't you just curse God and die? Or there's the pleading, like, can you just do this so we don't have to watch? Either way, that's not the Lord speaking to him, right? That's the enemy speaking to him. Curse God and die. And he won't. And uh, he gets into this, uh, this dialogue with the Lord. And what's being uh, explained as you just studied the book of Job. And, and so this is all going to be familiar to you. Along come his buddies and they start saying, well, this would basically, I'm paraphrasing all this. This wouldn't be happening unless you had sin in your life there, Job. You know, they're, they're accusing him. And he's like, well, thanks for the encouragement, guys. You know, so there's that dialogue. And then there's Job talking to the Lord. And eventually Job gets to the point where he starts pointing the finger at God. And God says, were you around when I, when I formed the earth? Were you around? And God ministers in his grace and mercy to Job. And, and Job comes to the realization that the Lord hasn't forsaken him and that the Lord still loves him. 
and that at the end of the book, double what Job has was restored to him. Double. So yes, he had great loss, but then he gets healthy and he has two times the amount of kids and two times what he had before. God tested him. God, he went through such a trial. I mean, that's I don't want that trial, right? I don't want that. I know I've told you guys, don't be afraid to pray for patience. I hope that's not included in the contract, right? You know, I don't want that. But just think of what that man went through. It's never the Lord's faithfulness that needs to be questioned. It's not God forgetting about us. God's not sleeping. He's not forgotten about us. You know, when we've talked about, and I, I, I know I'm a broken record saying this, but when he knows us so well that he can number the hairs of heads, uh, no, you know what I mean, the no, numbers of hairs on our heads, right? Sorry, it's the night service. My brain's a little fried, right? But he knows us that well and that intimately. He knows. Guys, how many times are we reading the scripture, scripture? Jesus just walks up to somebody and starts ministering to them and puts his finger right on the sin that they had in their lives, right? He knows us. He's not forsaking us and saying, oh, yeah, yep, sorry, I got busy, you know? How many times did the Lord call out in the scripture the false gods for that? You remember Elijah against the, the, the 450 prophets of Baal? You know, they're all, they've got their little fake worship happening that they would they would uh trick everybody and they had these um this elaborate system where they would act like they're calling fire down from heaven and they really got this little thing under them where they're lighting the fires and and, and everybody thinks that these guys have the power to call things down from heaven so what does elijah do calls them all out and says all right let's go let's go have a battle and elijah tells them to pour water on everything when it comes to him right he's like you guys do your thing and as they're trying to do their thing and they don't have their, their cool little setup, right, the fire doesn't happen because they have no power behind them. When, when, and, and what he does is he's saying take 12 jars, uh, uh, four jars of water and dump them out. Uh, do th three times, 12 tribes, right? And when you've soaked the whole thing down, then he cried out to the God of Israel and the, the fire came and it, it consumed all of the offering and all of the false prophets, right? The victory was in the Lord, right? The false gods, they have nothing. There's nothing for them to offer. God himself is the one that we have victory in. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful. Lord, uh, as what's being read here, that you're not a God that forgets us. And you're not one that is sleeping. But we can trust in you. We know, based on what the scripture says, and uh, those uh, stories that we can read, that the accounts that we can focus on and meditate on of, of the great victory we have seen. As we've just reflected on uh, a few of them in this discussion, thank you for your spirit teaching us and speaking to us. We want to grow. We want to be strong and, and not question your presence, not question your promises. We know that you love us and that you are working for us. Lord, where we need correction, please give us the correction. We don't want to go further down the road of disobedience and sin. We want to remain in your perfect will. We want to be led by you and live a life in victory because of what you're doing in our lives. That we would be walking obediently, walking in your spirit, walking in truth, and experiencing the blessings in this life and looking forward to the next. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Well, God bless you guys. We do have a few minutes.